0: You heard it here first. Crypto Basic called it. J.P. Morgan will announce a purchase of Western Union within the next three or four years. You'll see. Blockchain revolution. <laughs> All right.
1: Clearly coming. All right. Hello,
0: everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast, where we try to break down everything from news to tech in the crypto space. My name is Kareem Brook, and I'm here with my co-host, Brent Philbin.
1: What's up, y'all? It's a little bit early, but I'm here with Kareem, as he just said. <laughs> All right, Brent, and you are our official researcher in chief
0: today, and we are exploring Ripple 102 the revisit. So of course, uh, we've already done a 101 series on Ripple. This is an opportunity to see what's changed, see if your opinions have changed, give us any updates. If you guys want to reference the original Ripple episode, it's up, Ripple 101. But uh, Brent, tell us why you chose uh, Ripple for our next update.
1: So basically, I was thinking I wanted to do another 102 because I liked the last one that we did. We did Bitcoin the last time and the obvious choice was Ethereum, but XRP just got listed on Coinbase and I wanted to go back and listen to our episode because a lot of people might be wondering like what is this thing? How is it going? We're not going to rehash a ton of what we said in that episode, but it was one of our earlier episodes. So, we didn't have a great format down and we missed quite a bit of information about the the Ripple or well the XRP blockchain also I'm going to do a bad job still today in my mind of interchanging XRP and Ripple, and I'm sorry, but we're focusing on XRP, the digital asset of the company Ripple Labs.
0: All right. So, Brent, last time we covered this episode, obviously, one of the things that we discussed was our negative biases about Ripple at the time that you went in to research it. Now, of course, a lot has happened since then, but we always... Uh, maintain some kind of bias. So how do you think you felt approaching the project this time around?
1: Okay. So my bias last time was, as I said on the episode, I got, I I hated ripple on a scale one to 10. I thought that I hated them as like a nine or a 10 by the end of the episode. Once I did some research, I hated him a little bit less on a six or seven scale. And I've probably even, I think I said a seven, but I've probably even softened up on them since then uh, even more. I don't think that I would make it part of my portfolio. It's not part of my portfolio, but Stellar is. So, you know, I'm at least Ripple adjacent or XRP adjacent because Stellar is very similar. why, Why do
0: you think, what was the primary reason why you've been softening up on them from your perspective?
1: They've made a couple of strides to be a little bit more decentralized and we'll go over those over the course of this episode. They haven't fully decentralized and they're not even really close, but they they have done some things and I won't spoil them, but they've made some strides to be a little bit more decentralized. They have a very clear use case. It's just not one that excites me.
0: All right. So let's dive into it. Uh, always with the one-on-ones, we start with the company's vision. So why don't we go ahead and revisit that section first?
1: All right. So last time we talked about that they're trying to be the fastest way of transferring an asset from point A to B. We made the distinction like I just did between XRP and Ripple Labs. We also said that the transactions per second situation with Ripple, no crypto comes close with XRP, which is not really true. And it wasn't true at the time. I guess I just didn't do enough research. I found the same infographic that I found that time where I said that, but... XRP can get to 1,500 transactions per second. Nano can do like 4K. NEM at one point was stress tested at 7K. Doesn't so, Tron do a bunch too? Uh, you know what? I didn't really look it up. I There was no easy comparison infographic, so I just looked up the individual ones I knew would probably be faster. I didn't really care to look up Tron. So uh, <laughs> How is that not I'm at the sure top of your
0: list, Brent?
1: <laughs> I'm sure Tron can do 40,000, 50,000, 100,000. I'm sure Tron can... Whatever the number of sperm that comes out of uh, Justin's son's dick Jesus, when he says something it? on Twitter, that's how many <laughs> transactions All per right, let me there. bring it
0: back. <laughs> My fault for bringing up another crypto, I guess.
1: I didn't see that one going off the rails like that.
0: All right, so that covers more or less what we got wrong. Anything else change? I mean, you, you hinted here that the company maybe is going to be striving to be a little bit more decentralized. Uh, you think that's a change in vision, and more, or more like trying to appease uh, public perception?
1: They said they were decentralized then. They thought they were decentralized then, and they they think they're more decentralized now. So you think they're just they're trying to compete? Basically, they've just been
0: proving that original vision.
1: Yeah, they've improved some things, which we'll get into in the futures and structures. Which, interestingly enough, we didn't have at that point. In the podcast when we did it before, <laughs> there was no features and structures section. We just kind of like talked about it and then talked about the pros and cons, which was kind of funny. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're trying to compete with Swift is something that I'd add now that we didn't really talk about then. We talked about them being a payment processing system, but they don't really care what you or I want to do with them. They want to replace institutional uh, transaction layers like Swift. And you and I have had some experience dealing with international payments and the pricing is astronomical i mean each time we send a payment to our editor it's a minimum of four percent that we have to pay to get it over there and and sometimes it's higher depending like if we're only paying them for a couple of episodes there's a minimum charge too so it's uh really annoying to send money overseas so they are right that this is a pain point and they're doing the right thing trying to fix it but where I like Stellar versus XRP is that Stellar is trying to fix it on the user and the user layer, the person to person banking the unbanked, and Ripple is trying to just make it easier for the banked, the bankers. For the
0: institutions themselves, yeah. Which is why we right. also mentioned that this new JP Morgan coin, as much as most of the community is laughing at it, I actually think Ripple should be really threatened by,
1: uh, by yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like. I I definitely have that written up in here as we go into the, yeah. the the new the new history. Oh,
0: and the competition, by the way, as a quick one more quick side note: J.P. Morgan doesn't just have customers; like <laughs> J.P. Morgan owns a lot of, like, has you know stake.
1: They already do something like sixty yeah, percent or whatever yeah. of the of the international processing. Yeah.
0: So exactly. So uh, anyway, it'll be interesting to see
1: how that plays out. So, all right, Kareem, before we keep talking about XRP and Ripple and all that here. I want to just take a second, let the listeners know to check out the Token Talks podcast. It's hosted by Zach DeWitt, and you can find it at wing.vc slash podcast, podcast that uh, reached out to us looking for sponsorship, and we were able to provide that. So this is obviously something that we've been compensated for, but the reason we were able to provide that is because we checked out, we started listening to their episodes, and we thought they were pretty good. So we wouldn't be comfortable saying it on here if it wasn't worth your attention. They do have more of a deep technical dive. They might even actually be able to explain what Ripple is better than me because I didn't, I don't know, I'm not going to do a great job. So check them out. Uh, Again, you can go to wing.vc slash podcast. Let them know you came over because the Crypto Basic Podcast sent you. And just, hey, tell tell them Brent said, hey, that's it. And otherwise, back to our favorite villain. Okay, so let's get into the history,
0: the history then and as it has progressed.
1: Okay, so we don't normally talk about price, but to just put things in perspective as we do these 102s, the price of the coin when we did the last one was about a dollar. The price of the XRP coin now is about 30 cents. (laughs) Yeah, which actually makes it not that bad compared to the rest of cryptos. Like that's that's only a thirty percent or seventy percent loss, which a lot of people would be really happy with that <laughs> if they bought at the last time we did that episode. So what we said before was just basically like we talked about how they were founded by Jed McCaleb, the same guy who founded Mount Gox, but he the the company itself was actually founded in two thousand four, and not by him but by somebody else, and he I think he took over later, but they were they were also called something else. You can listen to the actual full history on that show. You can actually listen to that whole show if you want to know like a lot a lot about Ripple and XRP. We go into a lot more, and I'm not going to rehash anything we've already covered. So this is kind of a companion to the 101, even though I'm not proud of that content because of some of our older stuff. We still have a lot of great information, and it would be a three-hour episode if I rehashed all that information and gave you new information. So uh, that's what we're – these 102s are going to be like that. So they're going to be almost required reading of the previous <laughs> episode unless you remember it in your head. We're going to talk about it anyway. Jed McCaleb was a founder. He eventually got out of XRP. He had 20% of the supply. They had actually frozen his funds. Now, we talked about this in the last episode, and I think we've gone over this on different flagships in between, but I want to clarify that we got this wrong. They didn't freeze his XRP assets. They convinced Bitstamp, where he was holding his XRP assets wow. to hold them because they can freeze the payment gateways. So they can freeze anything except XRP that's on, their, that's on their payment gateway system. So Bitstamp was a big exchange that was involved, and they may have convinced them by freezing some of their other assets in some fashion. But yeah, Bitstamp agreed to allow the coins to be frozen while the whole thing went down. Interesting. So that was one of our big arguments for Ripple being... Uh, no, in centralized control of all no, this. No, yeah,
0: that's a huge difference, of course.
1: And we'll we'll explain why they can freeze the funds from the gateways in a little while. It's related to the fact that there's trust built into the gateways, and uh, it's one of the both pros and cons. But we're on history now, so we're just going to talk about some of the key points that happened over the last about year or so. Uh, Ripple Labs donated $4 million worth of XRP to Ellen's Wildlife Fund. And they got a lot of press for that. They were on the Ellen DeGeneres show, and they were in like the background, and it was in the height of Cryptomania. Well, kind of. During that time, they actually managed to surpass Ethereum and take over the number two spot on CoinMarketCap. They don't hold it for very long. They end up there for a little bit, and then like people realize, oh my god, and then they buy Ethereum and it goes up. <laughs> but they they took it over twice. They're not sitting there now, but they're pretty close to market cap. They're within like a like billion dollars, maybe. As far as market caps go, that's pretty close, at least the big ones. Um, That lawsuit that they had with that R3 company where they agreed to let them buy a certain amount of the tokens for a certain price, but then decided, nah, we're going to fight you for it. They settled outside of court after it was thrown out in a couple of court systems. Basically, XRP or Ripple Labs was suing this guy and trying to stop him from getting what they agreed on. I don't know what the settlement was, but it was settled outside of court. And uh, the price point when it was settled for the coin was sixty cents. During the lawsuit, it was about three dollars. So mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know if they would have just like sold it when they got it. But if they would have, they lost a lot of value in the meantime because it was a lot of coins that they were told that they could have. As far as like anything we got wrong about this, we mentioned that they can change anything on the blockchain that they see fit. They can't really. So we talk about Ripple Labs having kind of full control over this. They don't, although I think in actuality they probably do. In theory, they don't. And we'll get into exactly why I think that a little bit later in the episode. But as it stands, we were wrong on that particular centralization aspect.
0: Okay. All right. I know you teased it, so I'm looking forward to hearing the specifics of how, of why you take that position. Let's go ahead and move on to the rapid fire. (laughs) All right. So once again, Brent, I'm going to ask you five, six, five questions (laughs) in quick succession. And we're going to start off with, is XRP a coin token or platform?
1: It is a token. A token. Is it decentralized? It is not decentralized. There is at least a point of contention on that. But I have decided that no. So
0: no with an asterisk. Yeah. Mind or staked, Brent?
1: You cannot mine or stake XRP in any way. There is no way to get more, ever.
0: Is their mainnet live?
1: Yes. So this wasn't originally in our rapid fire, but it's a holdover from when we started getting into the weeds there a little bit with the ICOs. But their mainnet's live and XRapid is now live, which was not live when we did last episode.
0: All right, Brent. Most important question of them all.
1: Does it sound cool? I don't think so. And this isn't just like a I hate or a Ripple XRP situation, but... As you hear me doing on this episode, you heard me doing it on the last episode, I keep using Ripple and XRP interchangeably and they're not supposed to be interchangeable. XRP is supposed to be its own thing and Ripple is Ripple Labs, which is also supposed to be its own thing, but you see them so interchangeably that I use them all the time. Terrible branding in my opinion. So that is why I don't think it sounds cool.
0: All right, fair enough. Logic is tight. Let's go ahead and move into the features and structure brand. And actually before we do, I'll say I agree with everything you said about Ripple, um, but I guess they're not really trying to market to the general public, right? So it's kind of different also.
1: Yeah, they've gotten some institutional clients on and I know they've been flirting with like Western Union and stuff like that. So there's clear people that are getting involved in this. They are probably doing great marketing behind the scenes and, have, and forming great relationships. But as far as what we do right. and what we can invest and what we have to see, XRP and Ripple are very Interchangeable to me, and they are very adamant that they're not anytime you accidentally flip the two around. So, if you're part of the XRP community and you're listening to this episode, I mean, I'm not going to apologize for anything except switching those around. I'm going to probably say some stuff that you don't like, but I believe I'm being extremely fair on this episode. And in the end, I think my hate has turned down a couple notches anyway, too.
0: All right, so let's do it to the non existent section that used to not exist. Features and structures,
1: just, just a yeah, basic so I put our outline together as like summarize what we said. We didn't have a features and structure section. I thought it was just a mess up piece of the old outline that I found. And I listened to the whole episode to prepare for these. And nope, we just didn't really talk about it. We didn't talk about how Ripple does what it does. We just kind of were like, we're banks. So... We did go over how the payment gateways work in our Stellar episode, and the Stellar episode came out not too far behind that, so it works very similarly. But I'm going to go over these just in case because we each coin, platform, token, whatever deserves its own explanation, its, its own yeah. explanation for how it works. Right? So XRP uses gateways to solve a liquidity problem. And the only native asset on the entire blockchain is XRP, but you don't need to use XRP to send value. So it's it's a little bit ass backwards to w- the way that sounds, so I'm going to explain it. You actually can create IOUs on the platform. And it literally means when I create it that, and I create a $100 IOU that so that when I give it to somebody, I owe them $100 worth of value. So USD.bitstamp Is an IOU created on the Ripple uh, or on the XRP network? That means that Bitstamp owes US dollars. And the number of those coins of IOUs that are created is how many US dollars that they owe. In order to create IOUs, you have to trust the people. If you're going to let somebody owe you money, you have to trust them. So, in order to signal that you trust these different gateways, you have to open a line of trust with them. You have to say, okay, I trust Bitstamp, I trust Kareem, I trust Brent. And you will not receive any interaction with anybody that you haven't explicitly said that you trust with regard to any of these IOUs. So it is not inherently a trustless system. You have to make trust decisions over the course of using this setup. It doesn't have to be US dollars. It can be any currency. It can be oil. It can be paintings. It can be anything. I can create oil. Brent and I can owe people oil based on IOUs that I'm sending out. And I can trade those IOUs with people if I want. They're non-fungible. Now, when we talk about fungibility, we talk about being completely interchangeable. One thing is always worth the same as another. But if I trust Kareem, it doesn't mean that anybody else trusts Kareem. So even though I have a 100 US dollar Kareem IOU, it doesn't mean that I can trade that with a 100 US dollar Binance IOU. So even though they're in theory both $100, I cannot exchange the two values together because we don't know what Binance's trust node situation is. And if they haven't opened a trust node with Kareem, they aren't required to take on any responsibility for debt from Kareem or from Binance. Any, anyone else right. so, let
0: me stop you real quick so does that mean that if they did have multiple trustings open do they exchange like for example if wells fargo Wacovia, and bank of america have a trust chain does that mean that they can freely exchange ious from each other
1: i don't think they can exchange on a like they can they're not interchangeable as far as like they're the same balance they have different balances but i could trade even if i didn't have a trust channel i could trade an iou with anybody that i wanted even if i didn't have a trust channel with them i think but yeah they're they're interchangeable if you want them to be they're not interchangeable as far as like your balance your balance would show seven different ious from seven different companies and you can choose who you want to trade those with and who would accept them i think on the practicality layer it probably is interchangeable if you've opened the trust nodes with everybody but i didn't look into that so the only thing that actually has, in quote unquote, real value on the entire blockchain is the XRP token. That's the only thing that you don't have to trust people with. So that is what is built into that blockchain. And that's why I said they can freeze anything except XRP. So they can freeze any of those IOUs if they see something shady going on, yeah. but they can't freeze the XRP token. That is completely decentralized and run by the validator nodes, uh, which we'll get into in a minute. So let me explain just kind of how this works. So I could issue an IOU for 100 US dollars. We'll call it USD.Brand. And I could send it to Kareem. So now he could then send me $100 worth of peso IOU. So he could send me the MXN.Kareem. And he could also send me XRP tokens for what I sent him. I could then trade Kareem's IOU with anybody that trusts that Kareem's IOU is worth the $100 that I trust that it's worth for XRP or An equivalent $100 in their IOUs if I trust them. So eventually, somebody can ask you to pay for the IOU somewhere outside of the blockchain, redeem it, and then you can delete it or whatever. Almost always, though, it's going to be settled with US dollars unless you're working with an exchange or something like that. So, on the like, an exchange could be a trust node for the XRP blockchain, and you could then cash out an IOU from the exchange. And the exchange could destroy it and give you the equivalent value on their exchange. But for the most part, these are going to be settled with XRP. And it means that there is trust and that there is a point where you could be taken advantage of. But if you only settle in the XRP token, then that time frame is about three seconds that you have to let the transaction go through and make sure that you actually got your XRP on the other side and the IOU only mattered in the transact in the interim. So that if you set it up that way and you you don't want to have more than three seconds of trust for anybody, you can. And that is how they facilitate trading U.S. dollars for the Turkish lira or whatever the case. And do it via the XRP settlement layer and it costs cent- pennies to do that. Uh, the XRP token is used to pay the fees for the, the transactions. You don't have to have the XRP tokens to pay the fees. I think they come out of the IOUs if you don't, or something like that. But I didn't really look exactly into that. I just saw that you didn't have to have it. And the end result, when you pay the fee, you would think that would go to the miners or something. It doesn't, it just gets destroyed. So they're actually burning XRP as it is being used. So it's completely deflationary. There are no XRP being created, and there's. Only XRP being destroyed. Do you
0: see anything about the deflation curve for like how long? Like it's if it's never created and it just keeps getting destroyed, what's the... Uh,
1: the number that I saw is 0. 0.000. There was either 3... It was either 1... It was either 0. 0.0001 or 0. 0.001% has been destroyed so far.
0: Okay, so it's just designed to last like 100 years, but it's deflationary or something like that.
1: Yeah. My guess, since this is one of the kind of the first altcoins is it was probably supposed to burn up or like a certain amount around the time that Bitcoin was finally released all of its coins. In theory, they don't want XRP to be used as like a day-to-day coffee payment. They've said that. They're like, we don't want this to be a currency, which is why people will say it's not a crypto. It is cryptographically secure, but it's not really like a cryptocurrency. Like people, They're not trying to get people to buy coffee with it. They're not trying to get mass adoption. They're trying to get banks to use it to settle their, their right. fees that they need to pay each other. And in theory, it will only go up in value because more banks need it to create the trustless system rather than having a bunch of IOUs. And in theory, as it gets burned up, it should be worth more because there's less and less. I'll also mention that all that trust sounds a little bit scary, but if you're a normal bank, you have to trust for a lot longer than three seconds. You have no idea if the bank that is sending you a transaction, it has that money until like six days later when you're doing this stuff which is why the fees are so high to send stuff uh overseas because jp morgan is clearing all of this stuff out and they don't always know who has what and they take on some serious risk and finally it costs 20 xrp to even open a wallet you you have to have a minimum of 20 xrp on the network it's one of their anti-spam measures and you know, people are complaining that that really doesn't allow the little guy to get involved with. But again, they don't really care about the little guy getting involved. So they don't really, you know, the fact that you're crying about having to put $12 in an account before you open it. They're like, for them, they're like, what do you mean? $12? Our account minimums are millions. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I, I want to go over a couple things that we got wrong. But I also want to talk about the fact that the JP Morgan coin, like you said, before is really scary to Ripple because of the way that they have positioned themselves. Again, they don't they don't care about the little guy. They only were going after institutional institutional adoption. So if JP Morgan, who already processes most of the international transactions in U.S. dollars, creates something super similar to the XRP ledger, then what's their use case? They're going to have to pivot. And they're probably going to have to pivot into something like like Stellar is already doing, which Stellar's already doing it and they're doing it better. So I don't know why you would choose Ripple over Stellar, especially when they've kind of scoffed at all that from from day one. Anyway, that's that's I think that the JP Morgan coin is probably going to be more of a disruptor to XRP specifically than the rest of the space. And you're not going to catch me like going and in investing in JP Morgan coin or anything like that, but it will definitely disrupt the XRP business model, I'm pretty sure.
0: It's pretty interesting, though, because I think that this is going to foreshadow what's going to happen in a lot of different projects from the perspective of like, okay, yeah, this is JP Morgan, where before it was like crypto sucks, it's a scam. Well, Bitcoin sucks, but <laughs> great. great. Yeah. Maybe it's not so bad. Okay, JP Morgan comes out tomorrow, right? Like JP coin. But... This, this release of like a big player sitting back and getting to see how the industry develops and getting a bunch of information and then being able to just put in a bunch of resources to, to take advantage of their market share, which was never really challenged, right? It's never, it's not like Ripple was allowed to develop enough to really get to challenge JP Morgan's market share. So I think we're going to see this happen. With all kinds of monopolistic companies like, you know, Amazon or Google or something like that, eventually in different markets, different like all the different stuff that a lot of these projects are trying to do, my guess is they're going to be competing with their industry's monopoly like really soon. You know what I'm saying?
1: And a lot of these projects don't have their industry as clearly defined as XRP does and Ripple Labs. So they they made a mistake and a triumph of carving out their specific niche inside of the crypto space whereas something like monero their niche is like you're gonna pay for stuff (laughs) like they're these guys are like oh yeah our niche is like moving money between banks which is a serious pain point and needs to solve a problem but they didn't differentiate themselves in enough of a way to where you could be idealistically inclined to use them. So for instance, if you're using DuckDuckGo today, you're using an alternative to Google and they have a very specific reason for being an alternative to Google, but you know, you're not using like, uh, I want to say Bing, but I know that like, that's where people search for porn. So (laughs) other than searching for porn, you're not using Bing. So, and Bing didn't like decide they were going to be the ones uh, that were searching for porn it just that's how people end up using them but duck go did it in like a way where they weren't getting your data and you have to choose like i i tried to use DuckDuckGo go for a while and honestly the results sucked compared to google, yeah, google was much better at predicting the the necessary what yeah. you're looking for
0: Probably yep. because they've been tracking everything that you do and think and say. So, they're like, I, I know exactly what you're looking for. I knew before you started typing, yeah, yeah, actually, they... I just didn't want to be creepy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, there. this is not enough of a differentiator to even get the idealistic group that's going to use it instead. And banks are certainly... They already trust JP Morgan, so I don't see why they would use anybody else. Wait,
0: oh Brent, I this might be like the dumbest aha moment, but wasn't there a story? I'm pretty sure that there was a story about Ripple having a test with a bank, and then the bank was like, they they only did a couple of transactions and the bank's like, oh, we wouldn't have saved any money. It was a waste of time. And then the guy from Ripple was like, You did like six transactions. <laughs> like yeah, I, I wonder if that was I, I J.P. Remember, Morgan. I remember that. If that was J.P. Morgan, that'd be hilarious. If they're like, "Hey, yeah, we're thinking <laughs> about. It. Why don't you come on over and show us how it all works?" And the uh, okay, yeah, no, it sucks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that that would be actually pretty funny. Yeah, because they so they're the X Rapid and the X Current and there's one more uh, back-end project. They're all closed source, so they do have like their own little proprietary things, but the XRP blockchain is open. So how they're leveraging the XRP blockchain to make things work together is the interesting part. And the part that's probably not that difficult to reverse engineer, especially when Stellar does it all open source. So, yeah, I don't... JP Morgan can do this. Anyway, back to some things that we got wrong. Uh, We said that XRP was used to move things around on the Ripple protocol. Uh, That's correct. That's not exactly correct. It's mostly being used on XRapid. Uh, which is one of their uh, layers of software on top. And like I said, it's burned, not given to anybody. I think in that episode, we were under the impression that those fees went to the validators. The validator nodes are the things that validate the XRP network. They are not compensated in any way. It's similar to Nano. Anybody... Can apply to be a validator, but XR or Ripple Labs chooses whether you fit the bill of being a validator, but there is no incentive to be a validator. So
0: why would someone be a validator, Brent?
1: Exactly. It would be for idealistic reasons, or they would just be... I Maybe they're being compensated by Ripple Labs and we don't know about it, or maybe they... You know what would make sense? Maybe
0: the very clients and this is like, like let's say you do get uh, Starbucks to participate and use you, your stuff for a settlement layer, or maybe you get a bank. Right. Maybe you say to that bank, "Hey, would you like to also to ensure the safety of it or, or the resiliency of it? You can run validator notes on some of your computers, something like that maybe.
1: Yeah, that is, and nano is the same way they say, Oh, your, your incentive is if you want to take nano for payments, you want to run a node to help secure the network. And the same issue with Nano is an issue with uh, with XRP. At the time of our last episode, 100% of the default nodes on on the XRP network were owned by Ripple Labs. So that was another one of our big arguments toward decentralization. And I don't know what percentage of the total nodes at the time were owned by Ripple Labs specifically. And I don't know how many of these are operating basically as surrogates of them or anything like this. Because I'm going to get into why it's very likely that a lot of these are basically surrogates but um now only 6% of all the nodes are actually owned by Ripple Labs and only 27% of the default nodes are owned by Ripple Labs. You can choose whichever node validator you want the same way you can choose which node validator you want in many of these networks like Nano. But uh you your default ones that they set up to are 27% Ripple now. So It's disproportionate compared to the rest of the blockchain being validated by only 6%, but not nearly as disproportionate as it used to be being at 100%. The reason I feel like there's a very likely scenario where these are uh, basically surrogates of Ripple Labs is in order to do any change to the code, there's an 80% consensus required. So 80% consensus to accept a transaction And 80% consensus to accept Ripple Labs changes to the code. Why do I think that that means that they need to be basically surrogates? Try to get 80% of people to agree on anything. (laughs) Anything. Like, think about the debates in life that are super factual, where you can just go and say, no, the fact is, this is this, these are all scientific facts. You can't get 80% of people to agree on a scientific fact. So... You can't get 80% of people to agree on scientific fact. I think it's really difficult to get 80% of people to agree that a certain direction is good for a blockchain. Yet code updates keep, do continue to go through. They haven't had any sort of a stalemate yet that I've been able to read about. So one of two things is true. One, they're both they're basically just acting on behalf of Ripple, making it look like it's decentralized when it mostly isn't. Ripple's just saying, yes, vote this up, and they're agreeing. Or they just haven't run into anything that tests their kind of worldview of the of what needs to be done on that blockchain. And when they do, when there does become a rift, I don't know if you can just fork this code the way it works. I, I understand. I think you're just at an impact. I
0: understand what you're saying here, but for what it's worth, like it is worth noting that the dynamics are different because we're not talking about a regular. Community, like what we saw, for example, with Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin, uh, or let's say even Ethereum, and what happened with the foundation—like it's still a bu- It was decentralized project where a bunch of individual investors and all these people have different ideas. It seems like everybody who's involved is looking at this as exclusively from a utility perspective, almost. So there's less likely to be strong philosophical rifts, and the participants were approved by Ripple Labs so it's unlikely that they're also developers it's more likely they're just like people that are com- you know what i'm saying like if it's just businesses
1: yeah i don't think it's like a conspiracy no. to be acting as surrogates of of ripple i want to be clear that i think that they the whatever way they choose to select these or whatever way people end up being interested in becoming validator nodes means that they kind of just agree with what ripple labs exactly. does exactly Rather than have any sort of disagreement or anything like that, so they—that's what I mean by they become surrogates, and not that they're like, not that there's, yeah, they're, they're, it's not like Ripple's putting out a bunch of patsies. Like, all right, get in here. We're not going to call you us, but you're really us. It's just like, yeah, the, the people who are most likely to do this are the people that are already working with with Ripple, and they have a big data center somewhere. They're like, well, we're a big, uh, I we're a big bank. We have our IT system set up. We can run a node on yeah. this computer over here. And exactly, and how what's, what's likely is that
0: bank to be like when the Ripple person is like, hey, we're going to do
1: this update. Be like,
0: no, that's not the direct increase to blocks. Like, it's just, it's yeah. just a different...
1: <laughs> it is definitely a different dynamic. Interestingly enough, they could in theory decide that they're going to print more XRP on, these, on this blockchain. And if they did, they would have to get through 80% of the nodes. So I would be interested to see how many proposals, if any, have been shot down. And if proposals do get shot down, then I'd be a little bit more willing to accept that this is a decentralized model. But as it stands, I still believe this falls under centralization. Now, the other big centralization thing that we haven't brought up is that they also still own 60% of the entire supply of <laughs> of XRP coins. Of
0: so, Brent, uh, I do want to take a quick time out. I got some of our uh, interns to go into the archives, and they have brought out the information for us about the, the previous story. It was Western Union, not JP Morgan. Western Union was the one that uh. I got, did something with Ripple, and after like barely trying, was like, okay, thank you. Bye. No, thank you. <laughs> so, anyway, so that's another competitor that's probably just like waiting. <laughs> so
1: yeah or yeah they're either they maybe they went to jp morgan they're like hey listen (laughs) y'all like we told them their thing was shit but mm, (laughs) y'all should do it yeah if y'all are not gonna do this you heard it here first crypto basic called it jp morgan
0: will announce a purchase of western union within the next three or four years
1: you'll see blockchain revolution all right clearly coming so anyway we've got uh 60 percent of the xrp is locked up in a smart contract and that smart contract distributes it to ripple labs at the at a rate of 1 billion per month i think uh out of uh might be i think it's a billion xr uh, i don't remember how many it is there's a lot it's the smart con- it might be a million I, I don't remember the numbers of how many ripples there are i could look this up but i'm being lazy the smart contract distributes it to ripple labs and if they don't use the amount that was distributed each month, it goes back into the smart contract. So that's what they're doing to mitigate the whole we have all the coins situation. It's not like they started giving them out or anything. They're were just they just like, okay, yeah. And they use those to kind of promote the coin and to find the partnerships and to pay their team and all that stuff. So I skipped ahead when I started talking there with the 80%. I guess I put it in two different places, but... We didn't have a governance section back then, so I was going to talk about the governance, but we just did that. So
0: Yeah, you basically covered it. So I guess at this point, we would move on to the trade-off profile, right? All right. It's trade-off profile time. This is the yin-yang of the show. Brent, why don't you tell us the pros and the
1: cons? All right. So I'll start with the pros and then mention which ones I still agree with. So I'll say what we t- what we said on the last episode. <laughs> we only picked four pros and two of them were the same thing. And one of them was really stupid. So uh, our pros were it's extremely fast and the transactions per second is way higher than any other coin, which is the exact same thing as being extremely fast. So I don't know why we had those listed separately because right, we wanted to have more stuff. Yeah. Financial advisors are going to suggest XRP to older generations. That's one that you came up with. So in, in theory, like if you're. You're asking your financial advisor, I want to get into this crypto thing. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, we've heard about XRP. They're, they know all our people and our people's people. And that would be, I guess, in theory, kind of good for like an investment standpoint. I don't really know it has anything to do with the project. And also, we put that the low price per coin is attractive to new investors. Uh,
0: I want Clearly, I was not putting that as a pro. <laughs> I think I remember having a problem with that last time.
1: We made fun of it then. We would make fun of it now. But basically, we were saying like, if you're looking yeah. down coin market cap, they're like the smallest dollar per coin. In yeah, the better top to have 500
0: whatever. of so. a coin than 0.001 Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. So whatever. That was kind of dumb. So I'm going to add some more pros because, again, I've gotten the, I've softened up a little bit on XRP. I still am not adding it to my portfolio anytime soon. But it used to be something that like I would almost look down on somebody for having in their portfolio. Like, what is wrong with you? But now, you know, I don't, whatever, I can't I can't hate on it too much. I, I understand where people are coming from. It's not a scam. It's not a problem. It is just it is what it is. It's a centralized company operating a pseudo decentralized blockchain project that is solving a problem that may be shortly solved by somebody else. <laughs> so they're solving a legitimate problem. The, the fees are absolutely absurd for sending money overseas. Like that is a legitimate issue. Uh, they've been making strides towards decentralization and they have been a little bit like their team has been like, we've been decentralized the whole time. What are you talking about? They, they've been attacking it in the wrong way. I don't think it's good PR what they're doing, but they are making the strides like the default nodes being less and less XRP specific is really good. They're succeeding currently in the face of community hate. Like there are a lot of people that just hate on Ripple the same way a lot of people will hate on tron the same way a lot of people will hate on eos except they're actually doing something and they don't really care like everybody's hating on eos and they continue to prove us right whereas ripple continues to you know make partnerships and go forward so they don't really care what you think about them the legacy banking connections like the networking effect there is nothing to scoff at connecting bankers knowing bankers from around the world could actually be really important To mass adoption of this particular thing and remember you can put bitcoin and and ethereum and all that stuff there is built-in pseudo interoperability as long as you're okay with the trust so that was it for the pros now i'll talk about the cons here's the cons that we talked about before again a little bit funny (laughs) i agree with very few of these so they are like bank of america is what we said which is a bad comparison they're still centralized because they haven't completely gotten to the point where they're decentralized uh, they aren't as centralized as other as some other projects, but they still have most of the control of the blockchains IOUs. Like they can freeze them. They can do whatever they want with them. That's hundred percent in their control. They just don't have the underlying control of the asset. So there are clear incentives to only be using the XRP asset if you can, but the volatility is too high. So people aren't willing to do that right now. Uh, we put that 60% of all XRP in existence is still owned by ripple labs, even though it's part of that smart contract, Yes, that is still a con. Uh, The IOUs aren't trustless. We put that on. That is still a con as well. The CEO of Ripple Labs went, I I watched an interview with him and he said in response to, well, you could just sell off all those coins you own and cause like a big market crash or whatever. He said, we would never do that. (laughs) So, you know, when has that ever not worked out for anybody in the future? I also said this is why I don't know. Was that locked up supply has a little less locked upiness. Basically, I was implying that the smart contract didn't really do what it was supposed to do and what it said it did. I'm going to go ahead and trust that people have looked at that smart contract because it's open source and decided that it really does hold those coins away from XRP. So that is not a current con. We said that uh, Ripple picks the validators. I'm going to give it a little bit of a pass on this because. They do pick the validators, but they say they pick them just based on them identifying themselves. So anybody can apply to be a validator. You have to go through a process of identifying who you are before they will approve you as one of the validators on the node or our network. So it means that you're using a trusted third party for validation. It means that they could turn somebody down for any reason. For instance, I've been trying to get an Amazon affiliate code so that we can put affiliate stuff in our podcast show notes and stuff like that. Amazon keeps turning me down. (laughs) They keep saying you don't have enough content on your website is what they said first. I'm like, what are you talking about? We have 165 podcast episodes and we have a blog blog post that goes to every single one of them. And they're like, oh, yeah. And then they send me another one back. It's like you're associated with somebody else who's got a banned account. I'm like, okay, what? (laughs) I don't know. What does that mean? Like they have an address on my account or something like that. I don't really know, but I'm just trying to get whatever. So same kind of thing. They can decline you for whatever reason. You can't really do anything about it. And you don't care to do anything about it because they're not paying you to be a validator node. So there's no incentive there. So I'm going to add no incentive to be a validator node as one of the cons. There's no incentive to get this network decentralized. Nobody cares. You're also required to identify. So there goes a little bit of the uh, anonymity. I mean, this one, it's not like they're built on anonymity. They don't really care. And in fact, with all the trusted nodes and stuff like that, it's kind of the opposite of anonymity. Their products are not open source. So we don't know that they can't break. We've seen, we saw that problem with the Coinomi wallet last week on the episode. Coinomi is not open source. And all of a sudden they had this big exploit and they just yelled at anybody that said that it was a problem. So they're not trustless. Those nodes, the, the gateways where you can get the IOUs, it's literally just like, a handshake between two people just digitally and that isn't trustless and they're leaving the little guy behind like we see when we talk about mass adoption and like the future we see the little guy is the most important thing and the only way to make everything catch on is to make it utility for somebody in these areas where they don't have paypal they don't have venmo they don't have an easy way to transfer value between each other that isn't stomped out by their government or something like that like that's where we see adoption starting we don't see it you know crypto and banks just don't have the same ideological alignment and that's why i've always kind of had this like scoff or this turn my nose up at ripple because of the it's not that cool
0: yeah i but i think i've I've told you before that i think we should decouple our idealistic views of what crypto can accomplish and what values uh, crypto can help us push forward, that's separate from the fact that this is just a technology. Blockchain is just a technology which will be implemented and used in all kinds of not even ideological ways, just completely neutral, like the way a light switch turns on. It has nothing to do with any. Yeah, yeah. You know.
1: Well, that's why I was saying crypto versus blockchain. The like cryptocurrency is where the, the medium exchange and all that is where I am talking about the ideological thing. Obviously, blockchain is going to have some great implications on tons of different things that are not decentralized. So the, there are going to be a lot of uses for block blockchain technology that are not paying people. But the underlying premise of kind of cryptocurrency is that, which is why I've got that little XRP racism <laughs> in the back of my mind. I'm just like... Yeah, but they took our
0: jobs. <laughs> you're, a, you're a justice warrior for crypto,
1: Brent. <laughs> <laughs> wait. Uh, I, wait. I just said I was a racist for against XRP. I can't be an SJW and... Yeah, but, you're, yeah, but you're saying you don't like them
0: because they don't uh, follow the vision of decentralization and uh, equality for all, my friend. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, uh, you want to be that like Braveheart. Sense. I understand. Chubby crypto, Pretty charge! Much. Okay, so... <laughs> Where can people buy
1: XRP? They can buy it pretty much anywhere, but the most interesting thing is that they can buy it on Coinbase now, which is what kind of set this episode up. It's the only reason I put that in there. I just We put that on the end of our episodes now. I don't know if we had it then. But, yep, you can buy it at damn near any exchange. It's a base trading pair on Binance now. so you And it's also a, uh, yeah, you can do it on Coinbase. So And not even Coinbase Pro. Only regular Coinbase, you can get it.
0: All right. Fantastic. Personal Future Outlook, Brent, what did we say and what do you think now?
1: Basically, I spent the entire Future Outlook talking about that I didn't hate it as much as I did before I researched it. And I said that it could go down because of the lack of centralization. I don't really know what I meant by that, basically. But here's what I think now. I think that they carved out a very specific niche in an area where they're going to be really susceptible to a competitor. And if JP Morgan coin does do what they promise to do, I think they're going to wipe them out. I really do. They're going to need to pivot, and I haven't seen any indication that they're going to do so. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to zero or anything like that. I just think that like their their primary target market is going to trust JP Morgan. And since these things inherently require trust anyways, it's not like they're moving over to a trustless system where they get rid of that. So, they're just trusting them for less periods of time, right. which is even... right. You know which is better, but
0: instead of trusting a bunch of different channels, they're going to be able to say, "Yeah, I'll just keep trusting J.P. Morgan," and they are just going to claim that this is going to lower the fees and the store.
1: Yeah, the the banking industry isn't interested in any ideological battle of who they're going to trust or what they're going to do. They already trust J.P. Morgan. They're just paying them a shitload of money. What if they get to do these transfers for nothing now and still continue to trust the person they've trusted for the last forty years, or, or fifty, or a hundred? I don't even know how old J.P. Morgan's company is, right, but right. yeah. So that that's my new personal future outlook. And it's time to move on to the dumb, funny stuff that we said. Okay. I <laughs> This episode had a very clear, overarching motif. Kareem, you were really interested in Peanut Brittle on this episode for whatever reason. It doesn't reason. sound like me. <laughs> you opened it up with a... You were trying to rhyme with Ripple and you said... Something about peanut brittle and tell me your quibble and some some really dumb, stupid rhyme. That's hilarious. And you didn't drop it. It was also like a pseudo fat joke. You were like, well, peanut brittle because you're fat and whatever. <laughs> and then you went on to say that. You brought it up like three or four times over the course of the episode. So that was, that was great. Um, you also said that uh, in regards to something that was difficult, you said that it was about as easy as Brent running track. <laughs> 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 um, we were talking. It was funny that we were talking about whether XRP was a lucrative investment because we hadn't really, you know, decided that we weren't going to do say dumb shit like that. We started talking about the Korean fud that was going. It was like, it was like that. What's that video with the Hans guy or whatever? It was like initiated the Korean fud crash it like that I don't know like the Korean bank the Korean exchanges had just reopened at the time we were doing that episode so we're like I don't know Korea's reopening what are we gonna do here and uh, we say that Coinbase will never put XRP on their site or on their platform never but we did say look if they're ever going to you'll know and we went over this on the flagship but in case you didn't listen to that and you're just listening to this we didn't get this one wrong we got it right at the time and we very clearly retracted that and said, look, now they've added some of these things that are pseudo decentralized or even centralized. They are going to probably add Ripple sooner than later. We said that it didn't have an effect on the price like it used to. You know, there there was some clear like insider trading, but it just didn't work out for the people that did it. There's enough things on Coinbase now that being added to Coinbase just doesn't matter that much anymore, unless you're like a small coin. But if you're already on Binance and you're just added to Coinbase, you just get a little extra liquidity. It's no big deal. Um, so, I became less of a hater in the episode, and i will become less of a hater again, and finally, the end of the episode, Kareem, you said that the first 15 years of my life was basically just me eating cookies and waiting to meet you. <laughs>
0: okay, now that sounds like something I would say in response to something ridiculous, you
1: said. <laughs> I definitely, it was not a response to anything, I, don- I actually don't remember what it was, but I was being very nice. No, it was just randomly. Very, the, I didn't make any terrorist at jokes. At the end of the
0: episode, Brent said, and that's Ripple. And I said, well, hold on. I just want to remind everybody, Brent was just sitting around eating cookies until he met me. <laughs> pretty much. That's pretty much how it went. Well, everybody knows you were eating other things as well. So that was clearly a joke. <laughs> but uh, Brent, do you have any other <laughs> thoughts about <laughs> Ripple or our content uh, change over time? Whichever direction you want to go.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, our content's gotten a little bit more mature, but we haven't matured as people. So (laughs) we still say dumb shit. I still compared Justin Tron's penis to something Ah, earlier. I don't remember exactly what I did with fault.
0: All right, that was my fault, everybody. I shouldn't have asked Brenton opening the question. Got him going right (laughs) to to groin areas and stuff. So I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here for – ripple x wrap it up (laughs) wrap it up here with uh xrp aka ripple a.k.a the pinno the the peanut of of the crypto space (laughs) uh and just a reminder that the crypto basic podcast we are not financial advisors we are just a couple of guys talking about cryptocurrency as we see it making rhymes and listening to brent's
1: fantastic jokes and if you're interested in continuing this conversation make sure you join us in the discord and look forward to a little bit of a rant on flagship friday this week where i talk about getting hacked looking forward to it also special guest on flagship friday you've seen him before he's coming back so we'll leave it at that all right sayonara okay we're out of here